news we're leaving today i want to be a part of it nikola jokic's stable of horses nikola jokic's stable of horses if i can make it here i'll make it at the kentucky derby after he wins his fourth or fifth nba title it's up to you sambor serbia sambor serbia that's it that's not bad nikola jokic nba fucking champ novak djokovic french open champion for the third time 23 grand slam titles to the guy's name that's the most in the history of men's tennis he is officially the greatest men's tennis player to ever live to ever take a sip of water to ever pick up a racket to ever see the color orange to ever bite a piece of that freshly cut wimbledon grass meanwhile nikola jokic is not the greatest basketball player of all time however he is the greatest basketball player living today june 13th 2023 what a time to be serbian what a time to come from a family who eats cheese bread and smoked meat for breakfast what a fucking time to come from that little country in the balkans nobody thinks twice about sir if novak djokovic and nikola jokic didn't exist nobody who isn't serbian or who doesn't live on that part of the world nobody thinks about serbia and the serbs we've got two of the most elite athletes alive we've got two guys not only are they elite like it's not it's not like we've got the fourth best tennis player and the seventh best basketball player the, we've got the greatest tennis player who's ever walked you know what i'm saying like we got the albert einstein everyone knows who einstein is dude everybody any age any country everybody knows who Albert Einstein is. We got the Einstein of tennis. Straight up, we've got the best basketball player alive. Now, I'm not saying they're as famous as Albert. Nikola Jokic definitely is not. We got the best basketball player on the fucking planet, and he just won the title. His team is the best on the planet. Novak Djokovic just won the biggest tournament to date in tennis, the French Open. Before that, he won the next most previous big tournament the australian open and he's about to go whoop people's ass at wimbledon too he's the greatest tennis player ever and he's from serbia nobody the most out of the clouds no one thinks of it how the fuck is the world's greatest tennis player serbian i was just in serbia if you listen to last week's episode you would know that i was just in serbia i was in the capital where nikola or uh excuse me where novak djokovic is from uh-huh and where Nikola Jokic is not from. Nikola Jokic from Sambor. I think it's on the border of Bosnia or something. But Novak, he's from Belgrade. I was just there. I don't understand how anybody played tennis there. I've not, tennis? There? Fuck no. Where? I didn't see a shrivel of a tennis court. I didn't see a YMCA. I don't know who's playing tennis in Belgrade, Serbia. And they've got the greatest to ever do it. Basketball courts? Didn't see one. Now I know basketball is pretty popular. Basketball, soccer, the two big ones over there. I didn't see any basketball courts. I certainly didn't see any like high-tech gym that these AAU guys are playing in. I didn't see any of that shit. They've got the best in the world. This guy looked like he was eating 40 Big Macs a day as a 13-year-old. Second-round draft pick. And he's going to go back-to-back MVP seasons. Should have been a three-peat. But 
voter fatigue, people crying wolf. Oh, Joel Embiid doing the whole, it's because he's white and the guy's black. Fucking whatever. Should have been a third MVP, but it's all right. As a consolation prize, he'll take his first NBA championship trophy, something Joel Embiid very, very well may never attain. And I'm sure Nikola Jokic would rather have that anyway. Dude, he doesn't give a fuck. He doesn't give a fuck. Oh, you had this stat line. Okay. That's what he says. Oh, you just won the title. It's good. We can go home. What are you going to do to celebrate? Horses. That's it. This guy doesn't give a fuck. He doesn't care about your Twitter. He doesn't care about your pictures. He doesn't care about going to the party. The guy wants to go home, hang out with his wife, hang out with his kid. I would imagine as I speak, he's putting down double digit worth of beers. He might be on a plane back to Serbia as we speak. All he wants to do is watch horses drink beer, dance a little bit of Colo, and be in the country of Serbia. That's it. He's the best basketball player in the world, dude. He's not hitting up Instagram models. He doesn't give a fuck about going to 11 in Miami. This guy doesn't need the link with OBJ to fucking verify his celebrity. He wants to go back to a nation of 7 million, less than 7 million people, in the Balkan Mountains, sit in a grass field, drink yelling pivo, and watch horses run. That's it. And I fucking love it. That's as Serbian as it gets. Now, Novak Djokovic, he's been doing it for 15, 20 years. I think he's probably got a little bit more of a high taste. I think tennis, more of a high taste sport regardless. Um, I don't know if when Novak Djokovic wins the French Open, if he retires back to Serbia and just watches horses and drinks beers. That doesn't seem like him. I think he lives in Monaco or he used to, and now he might live in like Madrid or some shit. So, no, I don't think he's going back to Serbia and watching horses and drinking beers. But Nikola Jokic, man, that guy, that guy's Serbian. 6.8 million people live in Serbia. 6.8 million. They got the greatest tennis player to ever live came from there. What's the, isn't the population of Michigan 13? They got the greatest tennis player to ever live, dude. <clears throat> population of Michigan's 10 million. Eight. Or, I mean, seven, less than seven. Greatest tennis player ever. Best basketball player in the world. Less than seven million people. There's 10 million that live in Michigan. More resources, more tennis courts in Michigan. I bet my life on it. More basketball hoops in Michigan. I bet my life on it. More coaches in Michigan. More AAU teams in Michigan. 6.8 million. They got the greatest tennis player ever and the best basketball player in the world. What the fuck? That's crazy. I'm happy the Jokic won. Obviously, I'm Serbian, pulling for those guys always. I'm happy Djokovic won. Just clamp it, clamp it, clamp it, all the naysayers. Now now what's nice about Djokovic winning, I mean, I think it's fair to say it's been known, right? It's been known that this guy um, is the de- is the best tennis player in the world and has been the greatest for a little bit now. I think it's fair to say, but there was always the debate, oh, he's tied with Nadal. Always tied with Nadal. Always tied with the Nadal. You can always and before that, obviously, he's only been with, tied with Nadal for a few months since the Australian. And before that, oh, he doesn't have as many. Oh, he doesn't have as many. Oh, he doesn't have as many. Okay, fine. Now you can't argue it anymore because if you do, if you try to say no, Nadal's better because of this, this, and this. No joke, or Federer is better for this. If you try and argue it, now you're just wrong. Straight up, now you're just wrong. That's a beautiful fucking thing. As a Djokovic supporter. As a guy who I've never really been in the like 
arbitrary who's better debates, like the guy who played 40 years ago or the guy who's still playing, the LeBron, Michael Jordan, Wayne Gretzky or McDavid. Like, I've never really done any of those. Well, this guy, look at how much quicker they are now. Look at the sort of athlete that's playing today. Different in tennis because these guys played in the same era, right? Federer, Nadal, Joker. These guys were all playing against each other. He said it himself. Those guys were his arch rivals for 15 years. Those were the guys when he came in to high-class tennis. He was like, fuck me. I don't know how to beat him. I beat everybody else. I, Federer, Nadal, I can't beat those guys. Those were those guys. Those were the guys that Djokovic has now become. But now there's nothing you can say. He is the most majors ever. Um, I think he's ahead in, in the head-to-head for both guys. I think he's won more tournaments overall uh, than both guys. More weeks at world number one than both guys. He's the greatest tennis player who's ever lived. There's nothing – like I legitimately don't know – if you were Nadal's fucking sugar mama, right? If Nadal pays you 10 mil a year just to suck his dick, I don't even, I still don't know what you would say to try and qualify him being better than uh, Djokovic. And the same for Federer. And I don't dislike either of those guys. I think that's kind of a nice thing about tennis. There are the people that hate on Djokovic for whatever reason, because he's an asshole or whatever they want to say. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, People don't hate Michael Jordan for being an asshole, right? Uh, he's the greatest of all time. He didn't become that by being nice to every single person all the fucking time, by not having any sort of competitive edge. He seems like a good guy, all in all. Yeah, he'll get snarky with the press. Every athlete does. Part of the fucking deal. But there will always be people who dislike Djokovic for whatever reason. Uh, I don't really get it. I feel like he's very entertaining on the mic. I feel like he's kind of a jokester. He likes to have fun. Obviously, more so when he wins these tournaments and he's, you know, standing with the cup instead of the plate. Yes. But people will always hate on Djokovic. The cool thing about tennis and the cool thing about the rivalry and the fan hives of those three guys is I feel like it is pretty – now, I'm not deep into tennis, but I feel like it is pretty cordial. Like, the Dahl fans are like, yeah, Federer's awesome. Yeah, Djokovic is awesome. Federer fans, yeah, they're both great. Like, everyone's kind of like – Look, these three are the best. These three guys are the best ever. Like, it's crazy the, that they grew up in the same era. It's crazy that they all rose to prominence at the same time. It's crazy they're playing in these semifinals and these finals against each other constantly in every major for a decade, a decade and a half. That's all – like, the career paths and just the way they've come up in the tennis world, it's pretty nuts. But I think part of that is why people are like, they have the mutual respect. Like LeBron fans are never going to have the same respect for Michael Jordan that a Djokovic fan has for Nadal. Because the LeBron fans, they never saw Jordan play with their own eyes. A Jordan fan is never going to have the same respect from LeBron because they're different. They watched Jordan when they were 20. And now they're watching LeBron where Anthony Davis is hurt every two seconds and he's crying and there's wine on the bench and it's a different era. Like when they're from these starkly different eras and the game is played such different ways, there's the Jordan rules. And now if a hair gets out of place, the ref will call a foul if you average 20 a night. They just will never have that same respect. But with these tennis guys, they've come up against each other in the same era, playing the same competition, and they still, all three of them, still, these guys had to go against each other, and they still are all became the greatest of all time. Like they still together a rising tide lifts all ships or whatever the hell the saying that actually happened in the tennis world. Like, can you imagine if Federer and Nadal came along 20 years prior or 20 years after 
and Djokovic was doing this alone or vice versa. Nadal was alone and these Djokovic and Federer played 30 years ago. Like, can you imagine how many fucking grand slams would those guys have that 40, 50, like how many grand slams did, did these three guys miss out on because of the other two? And I feel like there's a respect there. So now it's become, look, any tennis fan, any reasonable tennis fan, again, even if you're cleaning, uh, cleaning the doll's cob for money, I don't know how you can look at it and say Djokovic isn't the greatest. Every stat supports him. He's still playing. He's going to win more Grand Slams. He's he's going for the, the calendar Grand Slam, which hasn't been done since the 60s. He's still going to maybe win Wimbledon, maybe win the U.S., He's still probably the favorite for Wimbledon. I don't know about the U.S. hardcore, Alcaraz, whatever. He's still probably the favorite for Wimbledon. Like, he will, whether it's this year or next year or the year after, he will win another Grand Slam. He will win more tournaments. He will reign on Carlos Alcaraz's parade once more. He will reign on Tsitsipas and Casper Ruud. And this next class of guys, he will reign on their parades once more. He absolutely will. There's nothing you can say. Novak Djokovic is the greatest tennis player to ever live. Nikola Jokic is the best basketball player right now, alive, on earth. He's an NBA champion. Djokovic is the all-time Grand Slam champion. Um, it's fucking incredible, dude. Serbia, the Serb supremacy. Serbs taking over in this mug. It's fucking nuts, dude. 6.8 million people. There's 10 million people that live in Michigan. 6.8 that live in the entire country of Serbia. At the best tennis player ever and the best basketball player in the world. What? If only they could string together a fucking decent World Cup team. If only they could figure out where the Nikola Jokic and Novak Djokovic's of the soccer world are hiding. It's crazy, though. It's crazy. And it's, you know, shout out to Denver, shout out to the Nuggets, a bunch of my friends. They are all from Michigan. So um, I don't know how much of Nuggets fans they are, but they all moved out to Denver. They all partied happy for the people of Denver. Probably was a great time. Shout out to the Nuggets for being a competent organization too. Shout out to the Nuggets for sticking it out with Jamal Murray and Jokic. They've kind of been knocking on the door for a few years now, right? Kept getting shut out. Kept They were starting to become that team where it's like, hey, they're unreal in the regular season, right? They're going to win a ton of games. They're going to be a top two seed. These guys are the real fucking deal regular season. But then the postseason comes and LeBron James goes zero dark 23. And Nikola Jokic, the unathleticness, if you will, comes out. Jamal Murray, he has an injury. Whatever happens, they get exposed. They were starting to become that team over the last three, four, five years. Great regular season. These guys are both really good. They're going to make the playoffs. They'll maybe win a round, and then they're going to lose once they have to play LeBron or Kevin Durant or the Warriors or whoever. They were becoming that team, and hand up. I thought they were going to be that team this year. I thought when they met, I thought the Warriors would beat the Lakers. <clears throat> but I thought when they met the Lakers, it was going to be the same old story. They're great. Jokic, what a season. Hey, this was their year. But here comes LeBron fucking James to rain on their parade, similar to Novak Djokovic in the tennis world. They beat the Lakers. Keep it moving. And then they smoke the heat, beat them in five games. They didn't really face any real adversity. I mean, like, were they in a series? The Lakers games were all close. They won it in five. Lakers games were good. They were fun to watch. They won it in five. They they steamed everybody that they played the Denver Nuggets. There was no one who even came close to the throne of the Denver Nuggets. I have an appreciation 
for them sticking by these guys, sticking it out. They could have tried to move Jamal. They could have tried to get fancy and done something cute once he had the injury. They could have tried to move Jokic and made something happen. They could have looked at Giannis and looked at LeBron and looked at who else has won recently. I can't fucking the Warriors have won recently. But look at look at the the way the league is today and said, you know, I know Jokic is great, dude. I know he's sick in the post. I know he can score. I know he's efficient. I know he can pass and rebound. But look, man, these slow-moving centers that work out of the low block, like they just don't have a place. And I know he works in transition. He'll have the ball at the top of the key. He's like a point guard that's seven feet. I understand. But they could have looked at Jokic after the fourth time it hadn't worked out and said, he's great, but the, the style that he plays just isn't what wins in the NBA. Jamal's good, but... But what about trading them for one of these young guys or what trading them for a pick or trying to take it? They could have tried to get fancy. They could have straight away from the beaten path. They could have tried to make a move after the first, second, third, fourth time. It didn't work out, but they stuck to their guns. They believed in their guys. Instead of changing those core pieces, they realized they were smart enough. They were patient enough to understand that Nikola Jokic, he's not just a good player. He's not just a great player. He is the best player in the NBA. They were patient with Jamal Murray, supported him, and he did a hell of a job. Obviously, Jamal, like being able to recover from the injuries he had being out, the amount of time he was, and then coming back and putting in the minutes. Like, I know he didn't have a crazy regular season, which is partly why his playoff run was so special. But, dude, watching him, and I didn't watch fucking any Denver Nuggets regular season basketball this year, hand up. But watching Jamal Murray in the playoffs, he is fucking good. He was a very good player. They don't win this without him. So shout out to the Nuggets, the patience with him, the work by him. Add it, knowing what they need to add around a guy like Nikola Jokic and a guy like Jamal Murray, shooters, defenders, hustlers, Bruce Brown, KCP, Michael Porter Jr. I don't love him, but, you know, he'll give you some scoring. Um, who else? That Brown kid, Christian Brown, is that his name? He's unreal. He's a great role player. Just an unbelievable – Aaron Gordon was great in the playoffs. He had, I think, like a 30-point game in game four. He was unreal. Just – I have such an appreciation now for basketball franchises that aren't fucking shit after watching the Pistons. I just listened to the Monty Williams presser today, and it's like, that's cool that he's saying words that are positive, but, like, they won 17 goddamn games. And they they won't win 30. They're not going to win 30, dude. Pistons aren't going to win 30. The Nuggets stood by a guy who most other franchises would have moved from, tried to do something new for years, and it fucking worked. They changed. They identified. They learned. They probably talked to him and asked what they needed to do, who they needed to put around him to give him the best chance at being successful, and it fucking worked. They have enough talent in their front office managing their basketball operations that they got a dude from Serbia, a seven-foot curmudgeon from Sambor, Serbia in the second round, and the guy turned into a two-time MVP and NBA Finals MVP. Are you fucking kidding me? The Pistons can't turn a top 15 pick into a sixth man. Like, Shout out to the Denver Nuggets. Good for you guys. Shout out to the players. Shout out to Jokic for being a dog. Shout out to Jokic for being a hustler. Shout out to Jokic for being a Serb. Shout out to Jamal. Shout out to everybody off the bench, all the role players, all those guys I just listed, Mike Malone, everybody. 
But shout out to the Denver fucking Nuggets for having a clue. Shout out to the Denver Nuggets for not being having the luxury of being the Lakers or being the Knicks or being the Celtics or the Heat, where you can just dial up whichever free agent you want that year and say, we'll give you whatever money, come live on the ocean. We'll give you whatever money, come live next to Travis Scott. You can't do that shit in Denver. We'll give you whatever money you live by underneath a mountain next to a dispensary. What do you say? How about that? That's not so bad. Come to Denver. They don't go get – they didn't need to go poach someone from another team. They didn't, as much as I love the Warriors and, and Steph, they didn't need to do a Kevin Durant maneuver. I mean, my God, the Florida Panthers are getting pumped right now. I got it on in the background here. They are getting pumped. 4-1. I mean, I think the series is 3-1 already. They're getting absolutely ran out of the building here in Las Vegas. But shout-out to Denver – not being one of these free agent destinations, not going and getting a big fish, not making a blockbuster deal. They never traded eight first round picks to go get a Kevin Durant or to go get a Chris Paul or to go get a Kyrie Irving. They never did any of that shit. They grew through the draft. They took Jamal Murray a few years ago. They took fucking Nikola Jokic. They somehow were like, I think he'll be okay a few years ago. And it worked. They developed them. They put their resources, their time, their energy, and their effort into these guys. They use their assets to select, and it fucking worked. They have enough competency. They have enough talent within the building, whether it's the coaches or the front office, that they can take a Jamal Murray from Kentucky and turn him into the Jamal Murray we saw this summer. They can take fucking Nikola Jokic on the Diet Coke and Big Mac diet and turn him into the most unstoppable force you've seen in the paint since Shaquille O'Neal. Shout out to the Denver Nuggets for being able to do that. And they didn't need to go get a free agent. They don't need to tell you how you're going to live next to Quentin Tarantino for you to want to go play basketball there. And it fucking worked. Shout out to the, I, I have, I appreciate that. I appreciate that, that a team like the Pistons, an organization like the Pistons, People aren't coming to play for the Detroit Pistons because they want to live in downtown Detroit. I hate to say it. I love Detroit, obviously. People go to L.A. because they want to live on the beach. People go to Miami because they want to party with celebrities and live on the water. People go to New York because it's fucking New York. People do that stuff for some of these places. They don't do that for Denver. They don't do that for Detroit. And the Nuggets figured it out. Yeah, it took them 46 years or whatever it was, but they figured it out. They didn't get impatient. They stuck to their guns. They developed what they had. They turned their assets into real fucking value. I love Nikola Jokic. I've never been to Colorado, but I'd like to go. I assume I would love Denver. It's great that they were the first to legalize weed. Skiing's fun. I went for the first time this February. Skiing's great. Probably do a lot of it if I live there. Um, Good for the Nuggets, dude. Good for the Denver Nuggets. Shout out Nikola Jokic. Shout out Novak Djokovic. It's a Serbian supremacy in the sporting world. We'll take a quick break here now. We'll take a quick break now. Um, a little bit of it. We'll do some Detroit sports stuff, okay? I was going to talk Michigan State. There's visits, but nothing's really happening. Just crystal balls and pictures. So I don't fucking care. So we're not going to do that. Um, I realized on last week's episode when I got back from Europe, I never addressed on the podcast – Jaden Akins and Tyson, or and, excuse me, Jaden Akins and AJ Hogarth announcing their return to Michigan State basketball. I never talked about that. Um, I'm not going to be able to do that this episode because I actually have to go to dinner with a female. Hey, <laughs> um, in like 20 minutes. 
So we're going to talk Monty Williams, the introductory presser. Pretty good stuff, but again, they won 17 games. Um, the Tigers are pretty much the same. I talked about them last week. They were starting to hit the skid. They've lost like six more since last week's episode. They won yesterday on a walk-off. Good for Torkelson. Uh, you know, who cares? Lions, dog days, not shit. And then the Red Wings, a little word on the street to Brinkett. Ottawa doesn't want to sign the Brinkett long-term. Red Wings need a goal scorer He's from Farmington Hills. Could be interesting. So we'll go five minutes on the Pistons. Eh, maybe four minutes. Maybe maybe three minutes on the maybe three minutes on the Pistons. Three minutes on the Red Wings, and we'll call it a day. Quick break. Mission Impossible. We're gonna try and do six minutes. Fucking maybe even five minutes total. I'm the worst at this. Here we go. Monty Williams, introductory press conference. I listened to it, half watched it. I was at work, so I was doing the whole just sitting there not doing fuck all, watching it until someone walked by quickly back to Excel, and we're going to just listen for a couple minutes. I mean, I don't know. Like, how much is there to make of it? He seems like a good dude. He seems well-spoken, which I enjoy after listening. I don't really mind Gores. I know he gets a lot of shit for being hammered or being a douchebag or whatever you want to say. Um, if I had a billion dollars, I'd probably be a douchebag as well. I might be a douchebag and I don't have a billion dollars, but dude, laughter listening to Troy Weaver. I mean, for the love of fucking God, Monty Williams, he, he could have been speaking in sign language and I would have been like, this dude commands a room like Barack Obama. It was nuts listening to Troy Weaver talk about, we're really excited. I'm like, dude, are you fucking dying? It was crazy. I know he's not. An entertainer. He's not a stand-up comic. He's there to build a basketball team, which he hasn't really done that yet either. Um, but Jesus Christ, it was tough to watch. Monty was good, though. Monty seemed well-spoken. He seemed like there's some energy there. Like if I was a 22-year-old named Cade Cunningham and I wanted to go hang out with my head coach, hypothetically, he seems like a guy I'd be cool with going up and hanging out with and asking and doing whatever. The players were all there, everybody but Boyan, he said, which he said was rare. Internet seemed to agree that was rare, so that's a good sign. The players are buying in. Um, I know, like, the, it's crazy. The Pistons got a young-ass group, dude. It's like Cade, Ivy, Duran. I mean, those are the core guys. Beef Stew, obviously. Killian. Like, everybody. Everybody is young as fuck on this team. So, it's cool. Those guys got a bunch of money now. It's their first, second, third summer of being an NBA player. They can do whatever the fuck they want. And they're all in Allen Park or in Detroit, wherever the facility, the Henry Ford facility is. I think it's in Detroit. Um, watching their new head coach give a press conference. Pretty cool. That's good to hear. We'll see, dude. I mean, Monty's supposed to be a great coach. He got a ton of money. That was the one thing I did like. I, he didn't really talk. I mean, he talked like we're going to compete. It's generic. The one thing I did like is they asked him, hey, Monty, like why Detroit? Word on the street was a couple contenders wanted you. Milwaukee. Um, Philadelphia teams that are trying to win championships. Why was it Detroit that you wanted to come to and kind of start over with a rebuild? And he came out and said, money. Tom Gores was super generous and gave me a crazy amount of money. And he gave the re he's like, it's weird in sports. People just don't like to talk about that. Coaches don't like to talk about money. People, athletes don't like to talk about money being a motivator for their decisions. And it's weird because money motivates everybody's decisions, whether you're an NBA coach or you're an accountant. Everybody thinks about money when they make decisions, especially when it comes to your career and where you're going to work. So I kind of like that. 
that he was just fucking honest. Like money, dude. Nobody ever says that shit. The live golf tour, all those guys on the live tour are getting paid hundreds of millions. They're going there obviously because of money and nothing else. And people ask them, why do you choose live? And they're like, well, I think it's going to be the best golf in the like, dude, they paid you a hundred million dollars. It's okay. Just say it. We would all do the same thing. And anybody who says they wouldn't is a fucking liar. It's okay. Just say it. So I liked how Monty said that, but yeah, I mean, we'll see dude, like play, play games, coach games, make Cade Cunningham better, make Jaden Ivy better, make Duran better. Like win, win more than 17 fucking basketball games, win like 32. That's still way below 500, but I guess it's more than 17. Like, I don't know, dude. He seems like a good guy. I hope he's successful. Obviously, I want him to be. I would like there to be a moment in my life where the Detroit Pistons play a game that people care about. I would like that to happen at some point. So I hope Monty's the guy for the job. Um, Yeah, I mean, like nothing crazy happened. It was good that the players were there. He seemed well-spoken and seemed like a likable dude. So, yeah, it was good. Um, Red Wings, quick little tidbit. And then I, I do have to go. Cause I got to put on a different shirt. I'm not going to wear the bad boys in the beanie. We're going to put on a different shirt. I'm thinking a Lululemon, like a long sleeve shirt, Lululemon, long sleeve shirt, probably some chinos pants, right? Probably some chinos pants. And then, uh, my tiger's hat. I'm thinking it's going to be pretty nice to bring it. Red Wings. Ottawa doesn't want to resign him. Interesting. I wouldn't. So the word on this, it'd be a sign and trade for the wings. I don't know what that would detail us giving up. I will say this. I talked about it not too long ago. Matthews, when the Leafs had just lost. I do think it's getting to that time with the Red Wings where it's like, fucking do something. We, it's time to do something now. Like where it's Steve, Steve, make a jump, pal. We're getting to that time. Alex the hometown guy. Maybe he'd be willing to take a little bit less to come back to Detroit than he would if he was to stay in Ottawa. Um, I know he had a down year this year, I mean, for his standards, compared to what he was doing playing in Chicago with Patrick Kane. But we need a goal scorer. We need a guy. We need we need a guy like Alex Debrinkit. I mean, he's 25. Um, he is a goal-scoring player. Like, that is what he gets paid to do. That is what he specializes in. And that's the biggest thing the Detroit Red Wings lack is people who live to score goals. Yeah, he had 66 points, 27 goals this past year. Year before that, 78 points, 82 goals. Um, year before that, he was point a game, 56 points, 52 games. Sorry, I said goals previously. But, yeah, so, he, you know, not as good as last year in Chicago with Patrick Kane. Um, and Ottawa's decent. They got a couple of guys, Kachuk, Stutzla. He was playing with a couple of guys. You'd like to see that if he's going to ask for more than Dylan Larkin. He's going to ask for like nine mil a year, eight and a half mil a year. You'd like to see that number be a little bit higher, that point number, a little closer to point a game. You'd like to see that goal scoring number be in the 30s, 35. So we'll see. Um, I trust Steve Eiserman to not overextend. I trust Steve Eiserman if he was to make a deal for Alex Debrinkit, whether it's the contract or the trade to acquire him. I trust Steve Eiserman to not do anything stupid, to not give away assets that may or may not be worth it to not pay him too much money. I trust Steve Eisenman to kind of look at the trajectory of what the brink gets done and kind of leverage that against them. Cold world, but it is what it is. And at the same time, if a deal's there, that's too good to pass up. I trust Steve Eisenman to make it. If a contract he's willing to take a little bit of a hometown discount is there, I trust Steve Eisenman to make it happen. Steve knows we need goal scoring. Debrinkit is goal scoring. He knows that. Um, 
But look, he's played the long game up until this point. He sat on draft picks. He's acquired draft picks. We're waiting for these young guys. Even if we get to brink it this year, it's not like this is the window for the Detroit Red Wings. We still, A, need to even see that some of these pieces around are the real deal. And B, if they are, we need to let them mature a little bit, get a little bit older, add a little bit of weight, get used to the NHL, not be 19, 20, and 21 years old anymore, become 22, 23, 24 years old. And then we can start worrying about bringing in, you know, extra firepower to go win a Stanley Cup or whatever the case is. But it'd be fun if they traded for Debrinket tomorrow. I'd wake up with this pep in my step and be making videos left, right, and center about it. I'd be fired the fuck up. Of course I would. Do I need it to happen? No. Would I like it to happen? For the right price. Am I going to be sad if it doesn't happen? No. And it's different than Matthews. Matthews is a tier above Alex Debrinket. Maybe two tiers above. Matthews is a different level of player than Alex Debrinkin. Matthews is a guy I'd be a little bit more okay with if there was a world in which he wanted to leave Toronto, which I don't think there is, but speculatively, it's June, not shit's happening, let's talk about it. If that world did exist, I'd be a little bit more okay with giving away some of our assets, Lucas, Raymond, and. I'd be okay with giving away a bunch of draft picks. I'd be okay with giving him a fat stack of money. I'd be okay with more of those things because he's a superstar. He's a top three player in the league, top five player in the league. I'd be okay with it. Debrinket is none of those things. Um, but for the right price, why not? We need goal scoring. He puts the puck in the net. And he's a hometown guy. So, interesting. All right, that's all I got. Appreciate everybody listening. Probably not going to do another episode this week because I was thinking about it today, dude. I, If you know me, like when I'm on and I'm locked in, I usually do three, three of the TikToks, three of the Twitter videos, whatever it is, a day. We're at a point where – I. I was walking around today, like I made the Monty Williams one, and I'm sitting there going, thank God that press conference happened. Like, there's not anything to talk about. There's fucking nothing. And if it's if I do the football, you can always do the Lions and the Michigan and the Michigan State, but I'm like, dude, July and August still have to have. I got to save some of that arbitrary riling the fans up for no reason shit for that. It's, it's the fucking dog day. So I appreciate everybody who's toughing it out with me. Hope you have a good week, weekend, um, day. Kiss your baby until you love it. Tell it you love it. I'll see you next week.